Welcome to the Doctrine Matters Podcast, a tool to help believers rediscover true biblical doctrine and to help them understand and live out their faith in their homes, in their churches, and in their communities. Thank you for listening to this episode. Let's get right to it. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of the Doctrine Matters podcast. These have become few and far between as of late. Uh, A lot of things have been going on in my life and my family's life. Of course, deer season has opened up here in Arkansas. Basketball season has begun. I've got uh, a middle or a junior high student who is in basketball, who plays basketball. So, uh, been attending games, doing all those things, doing the regular ministry thing as well, and uh, just haven't been able to get around to doing any episodes lately. But uh, we're back. I'm back. And uh, we're going to pick up where we left off. If you've watched the last two episodes or listened to the last two episodes, you know that I have been going through Ligonier's State of Theology that they have put out. They put these out every two years. And they, it's simply some data that shows what people think about certain things and certain doctrines when it comes to Christianity. And uh, what we've been looking at is we've been looking at what um, just adults in general think and then evangelicals, those that claim to be Christians. So if you haven't watched or listened to those first two episodes regarding the state of theology and just listened to uh, some of my commentary regarding that, I I, I encourage you to go back and and listen to that, watch that. Um, But today we're going to be picking up where we left off and we're going to be looking at the question that is asked. And we're going to look at this and we're going to talk about this from a biblical perspective. And that the question today is, does church membership matter? Now, I'm going to share my screen with you here just so you can see um, what I'm looking at when it comes to this. I'm going to put myself down there in the corner. But uh, does church membership matter? That is the question we're dealing with today. And as you see here, uh, Ligonier has Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. says, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This, of course, is uh, Jesus speaking to Peter, telling him, uh, that he will build his church on Peter, on this rock. Uh, Petros means rock. And uh, this is after Peter told Jesus who he says he is. And he, Peter said, you are the Christ. He confessed Jesus to be the Son of God, the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the one that would come to die for the sins and save many. So this is uh, sort of a brief context surrounding this verse. But Jesus here says, I will build my church. And then Ligonier says, but what is the church? And I like what they say here. Biblically speaking, the church consists of those whom God has called out of the world and drawn to himself through Christ. He goes on to say the universal church, which which consists of every person, past, present, and future, whom God calls to himself, is expressed tangibly through local church bodies that extend around the world. So a simple Working definition or a working summary of this is any of anybody, past, present, and future, who has repented of sin and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who has been born again, who is saved, uh, would be true Christians, make up what is called the universal church. Now, this is everybody in all places at all times, past, present, and future. But these people consist in what we call the local church. 
You may uh, see them on your street corners. You may see them in your neighborhoods. These are churches that gather together, and uh, it is supposed to be an assembly of Christians, of true believers. Now, I will stop and say this. I believe that our churches, our leadership in many churches have forgotten what a church truly is because there's many people in our culture, in our world today, that are leaders in churches that are seeking um, to manipulate their church services to cater to the lost in this world. Now, there's nothing wrong with uh, reaching the lost. Uh, I believe we do that. As God says, go, I command you, go and make disciples of all nations. So I think we are to do that in our context every day, wherever we find ourselves, whether we're at work, whether we're at school, wherever we may find ourselves, we are to preach the gospel and make disciples. The problem, however, is many churches are catering and creating worship services based off of how they can get the goats, if you will, or unbelievers into the churches. But if we look at this definition of a church, a church is biblically consisting of those whom God has called out of the world, who he has called them to be separate from the world. He has positionally sanctified them, called them unto holiness. So these are not sinful people belonging to the world and giving their lives to the prince of the power of the air, uh, the father of lies, which is Satan. These are not people that are supposed to be unbelievers. A church is a gathering of believers whom God has called to himself and I just say I think there's many churches that have it wrong, uh, but you see the, the local church is one where an assembly of people gather who are true believers, and they meet together each week to worship the Lord and uh, build each other up, exalt Christ, and do all those things together as the church. As a matter of fact, Hebrews 10.25 tells us not to forsake the gathering of the assembly, so we should not forsake the gathering of the church. Uh, we should be part of the church and gather with the church. But again, the church is a group of saved people. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, me being a Baptist, I would say, I would go a step further, that although baptism doesn't save you, I believe to be a member of a church, be part of a church, you should be saved and baptized, baptizo, immersed. And I believe that that is those are two requirements for church membership, especially as a Reformed Baptist, as I see it uh, in the scriptures. So, uh, again, I will say this. Baptism does not save you, but it is a it is what we are called to do. It is a symbol or it really it's more than a symbol because we are being obedient to the scriptures and we are burying the old man and the new man is coming forth. And I believe that we should be obedient in doing that. Uh, so I believe that church members at, from a Reformed Baptist perspective should be saved and baptized. But let's get into some of this data. I'll remove myself here so you can see it. Uh, the question that was posed to just U.S. adults, right? This is no affiliation with Christianity or anything like that necessarily, just adults. Every Christian has an obligation to join a local church, and they were asked to agree or disagree. Now, when we start looking at some of this data, especially when you look at adults, now, uh, this 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 is not surprising. If these are not Christians, but some of these could be professing Christians, I'm not sure. 
the next set of data we're going to look at is indeed uh, people that would profess to be Christians. But when we look at U.S. adult findings here on whether or not every Christian has an obligation to join a local church, we see that 36% strongly disagree that they don't have an obligation to join a local church. 19% somewhat agree, um, somewhat disagree, excuse me. 8% are not sure, and then you got 19 that someone somewhat disagree, and then 18% that strongly disagree. So what you have here is when asked a question or told the statement, every Christian has an obligation to join a local church, 56% of the adult findings would disagree with that statement, and only 36% agree that every Christian has an obligation to join a local church, but only 19% of those 36 somewhat agree. So they're not truly... Uh, understanding the word, and this is a, an interesting dilemma we have. Is we have many people. I bet many. I bet many of these people would profess to be uh, have gone to church at, at times in their life, have heard the Bible, have heard the gospel. Uh, but we have a biblical illiterate problem in our world today, <clears throat> and I think this really shows it. So we're going to look here um, now. We're going to go down. And we're going to look here at what evangelical findings look like. Every Christian, again, the question or statement, every Christian has an obligation to join a local church. When you get to evangelical findings, these would be people that profess to be Christians. You have 15% of professing believers who disagree that Christians should join a local church. 11% somewhat disagree. 6% who are not sure, which leaves 26% of evangelicals that would disagree that every Christian should join a local church. And then you have 19% that would somewhat agree. And then you have 49% who strongly agree, which makes up 68%. Now, I like this percentage a little better because more people believe that in the evangelical world, at least, that you should join a local church, but you still have 26% there, 26% that still disagree that you do not have to be part of a local church. So let's just look at this and, and see what uh, Ligonier has says. <clears throat> it says, given the Bible's assumption that those who claim to follow Christ will also join a local body of believers. Now, uh, we see scriptures like 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 12 through 13 and 11, 18. I'll just read these for you really quickly. For what have I to do with the judging of outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. For in the first place, uh, this is uh, verse 18. When you came together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. So when you come together as a church. So every professing believer should come together as the church. And uh, I click that. Let me back out of that. Um, but we see here, I'm going I'm to just click this. For what have, you, what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? So that means that nifty saying of only God can judge me really doesn't uh, hold any water when it comes to this passage of Scripture. So those inside the church are to be judged by others inside of the church and held accountable. This is why church discipline is very important, 
because those that profess to be Christians that belong to a local church will be held accountable. So let's look at these other scriptures. First Timothy chapter three, uh, verses one through 13. Uh, this is the um, qualifications for elders and deacons that we see here. Um, so we have in the church qualifications for elders, pa- pastors, bishops, um, same thing. They use, they're used interchangeably in scriptures, but in the local church, you have qualifications for those pastors. You also have qualifications for those deacons, which means that it is important to be part of a local church. And then you go on to see things in first Timothy chapter five, verse nine, it says, let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband. So there are um, some things in here that would um, qualify church membership, which means that we should be part of a local church. And then first Peter chapter five, verses one through five says this. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God. That is the role of an elder, and that is to shepherd the flock of God. What is the flock of God? Those who are called by God, who are Christians, they're born-again believers, and they have assembled together as the local church. An elder, elders, I will say it's plural. I think every church should have a plurality of elders. That way, uh, all of the, the work and all of the things that take place in a church should not fall on a single pastor um, in the church, uh, like the senior pastor model. Uh, everything falls on his shoulders. I believe that the Bible teaches a plurality of elders, and uh, I think it's good. But those elders are to shepherd the flock of God and exercise oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge. Who are those? Those are the believers that gather as the church, that belong to a church, that are members of that local church. And uh, elders are also to be examples of the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. This is a call to the elders, how they are to respond to the flock that they are entrusted with. And then again, those that are in Christ, those that are part of the church, how they are to respond to the elders as they give God glory in all things. So uh, even though 68% of evangelicals is better than uh, what we previously saw, um, Ligonier says this may indicate the influence of individualistic worldview within the church, as well as the challenges posed by the COVID-19 pandemic and ever-increasing access to viewing various churches, service, various churches services via the Internet. Now, uh, that's a whole nother time and place that we can discuss COVID-19 and and um, uh, Internet church. I will just say this. When the Bible says, do not forsake the gathering, I don't believe that that is an internet or interwebs gathering. I believe that is a physical gathering that the Bible teaches. And I I know that many people may argue that we live in a different place, different time now. A lot of technology, and that is good. And you can supplement your um, time with other things online, but your primary focus should be physically gathering with the local church, a local body that you belong to, 
that you have a pastor or elders that hold you accountable and you go to that church weekly unless you you just physically can't if there's some reason you physically can't then i think it's okay to be a part of this online church community whatever that looks like but i think our primary focus and should be the physical gathering of the saints so um that is kind of uh some thoughts from Ligonier on their state of theology when it comes to whether or not people should belong to a local church. The numbers are kind of surprising, especially in the adult findings, and, and rather surprising, 68%, although a higher number, it's still just a, above over half of the evangelical people that were uh, interviewed for this question. Uh, they, they only they agree that uh, every member should be, or every Christian should be part of a local church, but the Bible teaches that we should join together with a local church. I believe that it is a covenant community that we should definitely be a part of. Um, I have just some of uh, some some thoughts here from my church's new member class where we talk about what the church is and what that looks like. And and um, first of all, we believe that each congregation is autonomous. Uh, that church governs itself. There is no hierarchy that governs the congregations. Each congregation is responsible to Christ, and Christ is the head of the church. And Christ is the head of the church, and the Lord has placed godly called men in leadership of his church that carry out its own mission and responsibilities. Our church, and I believe every church should, affirms the lordship of Jesus Christ over his church. He reigns and guides and retains kingship over believers individually and over his church corporately. Therefore, we should be careful to seek his guidance through his word and by the Holy Spirit. And then this is one that some have trouble with. I believe that the church um, is a covenant relationship. A covenant has been defined as a contract or agreement expressing God's gracious promises to his people and their consequent relationship to him. So we view church membership much like we do a marriage. There is a covenant before one another and before God. So we covenant with one another before God to be a part of this local church, saying we are saved, baptized believers. We are willing to be held accountable. We understand church discipline. We understand serving. We understand what the church is. We understand what role we play in the church, et cetera, et cetera. So we covenant together. And a lot of people, when they think of a covenant, they think that they have to give their social security numbers, their bank draft information, their credit card information, and things like that. But that is not what we think a covenant is. Uh, and as a matter of fact, uh, let me just read to you some of our questions or some of our things that we have our new members um, sign as they covenant together with our church. So just a couple of, of things in here that they're affirming. Uh, one of those, together we will draw near to God in worship. We will delight in the glory of God, depend on the presence of God, grow in the knowledge of God, and submit to the word of God as the all-sufficient authority in our lives and in his church. Uh, we will give cheerfully and generously to the support of the church, the relief of the poor, and the spread of the gospel through all nations. Uh, together we will honor and uphold the intrinsic value and dignity of all people, as all people are created in God's image. Uh, let's see here, just another one. Having been brought by divine grace to repent, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and to surrender our lives to him, and having been baptized as Christians in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we covenant together to glorify God by making disciples of all nations. 
Together we will draw near to God and worship. Uh, we will delight in the glory of God, depend on the presence of God, and grow in the knowledge of God. I read that one just a few minutes ago. Uh, but th- those are just some things that we that we are affirming together uh, when when people come into our church. This is our covenant that they look at and they sign, <coughs> which is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. I once heard, and although I, there are some things about Mark Dever that has taken me by surprise recently as of, uh, as of late in the past couple of years, I still heard him say one of the greatest things is churches should shut the front door, close it down, make it harder to get in as far as membership, and open the back door, let people just go out that don't belong. And uh, we were able to see this. I'll just give you a, a quick idea, a quick uh, example of what I'm talking about. First of all, for many years, and I'm just going to say this from a Baptist perspective, uh, they have these blue cards. And anytime anybody wants to, quote unquote, join the church, they could come forward and say, I want to join the church by letter. Uh, they're moving their letter from one church to another uh, by faith or by baptism. And those are the ways that you could come into another church, especially in the Baptist world. So you could have essentially a, a, a person or a family come in and visit the church one Sunday and then walk that aisle and say, I want to become a member of this church. You have no idea if they're Christians or not. You have no idea about these people. They have no idea about you. And uh, that's kind of how the, the door has been left wide open, the front door for anybody and everybody to come in and join the local church at any level, especially in the Baptist denomination. So what Mark Dever is saying, let's shut it down. Let's have membership classes. Let's get to know people. Let's hear their testimonies. And then people that don't or can't belong or we, we realize people aren't uh, believers, then we need to spend some more time with them in the gospel before they can uh, become a true member of the church. There's a lot of a lot of things that I can go down side roads of, of things like that. But I'll tell you another example of, of how we were able to kind of close off that front door. We had a guy that came and visited for about three weeks, and then he said he wanted to be a member. And I said, okay, well, we're going to have this membership class. It kicks off this day. We're going to have it on Wednesday evenings for four weeks, and then uh, we look forward to seeing you there. And he showed up one week, sat through the material. Second week, he showed up, and we had another uh, family going through it, and she's a single mother, and she just happened to be a black woman, and she was late. And uh, she said, I heard this secondhand because I was dealing with something else at the time, but uh, one of our guys leading our class, he said, we got a problem. And because the guy going through the class said, why are we having a wait on this blank? And he used the N word to get here before we start the class. Now, red flags all over the place. We called him to repentance and he was having none of it. He got mad and left. We never saw him again. Two weeks before that or a week before that, if he would have came up and said, I want to join the church. Had we not had a membership uh, class in place or a or or a strategy in place to accept new members. We could have had this man in our congregation who really showed himself to be a racist and not to be a believer at all because he would not um, repent of his sin and, and uh, things like that. So uh, the back door was open for him. Actually, matter of fact, the front door never got opened, um, but we, we hope that guy somehow got saved. Uh, maybe somebody preached the gospel to him. Along the way, hopefully he's serving the Lord today. Uh, but that's why we have a covenant, and that's why we have church membership classes, so that people can't just come in and and just stake their claim as part of the church. We have to know who they are, and through that process, they meet with elders. We hear their testimony. They understand church discipline. Uh, they understand what a church is. They understand our statement of faith, our theology, what we teach. 
Um, and let me just say something about that is my church in particular, my, our leadership, me specifically, we believe in the doctrines of grace. We do not require our members to believe the doctrines of grace. One of the things that John MacArthur had said one time is, will heaven let you in? Are you a true Christian? Are you truly repentant? And do you truly believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you truly been saved? So we do lay that out in our in our membership class because we do believe it's important. We tell them the leadership believes that. That's what's going to be taught because that's the way we are convicted as we study and interpret the scriptures, as we let scripture interpret scripture. And um, But we say you don't have to believe that. You just can't teach against it. You can't be divisive. You can't uh, cause disunity over theology because we're always willing to sit down with an open Bible and walk through uh, doctrine and, and things like that and theology because we want to show people why we believe it from the scriptures. Not from, not from YouTube videos or uh, YouTube articles, or I'm sorry, Google articles or things like that. But but we do lay that out in our statement of faith and things like that, and it's been a blessing for us, and uh, just uh, a beautiful thing to have a new membership class because we believe it's very very important. And again, and and then in our new new membership material, we we define churches and things like that. Talk about the covenant, and then we say, lastly, a New Testament church is compromised of regenerate, scripturally baptized believers. That is baptized by immersion, is what we believe. Uh, It says entrance into Christ's visible church involves relationship with other believer believers, but it begins with the new birth. And we have John three one through eight quoted there. Uh, the new birth gives us spiritual life and brings us into right relationship with our Creator. Baptism is the believer's public confession of faith in Christ, a sign and symbol of new birth. Um, so here th- we just kind of lay these things out here. And then uh, from there we go into what we believe. So church membership, from our perspective, from my perspective, from uh, as you see here, it's very important because the Bible teaches a fellowship of believers, a gathering of the saints, and uh, a leadership that is leading and guiding those people through the word of God with Christ Jesus, the head. So there's this visible church, but every part person that belongs to the visible church should be a member of the local church to be uh, gathering with the saints, to give God glory, to be held accountable, uh, to be challenged, to be encouraged, and all of those things, because church membership is very important, and uh, we just believe the Bible teaches that. But here you see in our statement, or I'm sorry, the the state of theology, uh, that there are many that believe that Christians don't have to join a local church. And uh, we just believe that's false. I believe that's false. I believe the Bible teaches church membership. And uh, I know that there are people out there that would likely disagree with me, and that's okay, but we can go to an open Bible and talk through those things. Uh, But I I just wanted to show you um, episode three now uh, of the state of theology since it's been a while. And um, hopefully this has been some encouragement to you to realize and understand that if you are a true believer in Christ, you definitely need to belong to a local church to love you, to care for you, to watch over you spiritually and even your physical needs and the things that you may come across in life. The church is there to help you with those things. But don't take advantage of the church. Uh, I'm not saying that, but belong to the church. Give God glory, exalt Christ and build one another up because it is very important and I believe it's scriptural that we do so. So hopefully I'll get to you pretty soon with episode four of, well not episode four of the podcast, but episode four of looking at the state of theology. And uh, I'm just going to look at to see what our next topic is going to be that they cover. 
Um, does church membership matter is what we just did. And next, we are going to look at the Bible. The statement, the Bible, like all sacred writings, contains helpful accounts of ancient myths, but is not literally true. That is the statement. And then we're going to see who agrees, who disagrees, and what those findings look like. Uh, Will they be shocking, or will they be uh, kind of what you expect? Well, we'll see when we gather again next time here on the Doctrine Matters podcast. If this has been encouraging to you, please leave a a comment or uh, hit that like button just to let me know that you're listening and and you like uh, what you're hearing. I hope I'm able to, uh, for the glory of God, number one, uh, bring content that brings God glory and then also encourages you as believers. And even if you're an unbeliever that happens to catch wind of these, I pray that you would repent of your sin and believe on the gospel of Jesus Christ. So until next time, thank you for listening. Hit that like button. Subscribe if you want to. (laughs) Uh, But until next time, God bless.